The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good morning and welcome to the Weekly Business Hour, August 24th, 2020. I'm John Stacy, and I'm sitting in for Rick this week. The Weekly Business Hour is where Montgomery County and business, businesses throughout the world come to talk about the latest in business news, improve your business, and to be part of the conversations that can make a real difference in your business. Just so you know, the show is broadcast on YouTube. Join us on the Weekly Business Hour page. As I said, I am uh, sitting in for Rick today as his guest host. His email is one, that's the number one, bestconsult at gmail.com, or you can call him at 832-699-2132. My name is John Stacy, and I'm glad to be back for the second week in a row. I'm glad to be back and uh, had a lot of fun last week, and I hope we have a lot of fun this week. But I can be reached at jstacy at advocoach, A-D-V-I coach, dot com, or... 936-203-5426. We have a great topic today, and it's relative to all business owners, and it's really about the changing marketplace, the changing environment, SEO versus Google My Business. So I want to introduce our guest today, and he, he's Andy King, and he's the author of Stop Selling Used Shoes Out of a VW Bus. He's the owner of Pinpoint Marketing Solutions and an entrepreneur in real estate and restaurants in the past. He's the classic visionary entrepreneur. Welcome, Andy. How are you today? And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks. Well, appreciate such a great intro. So um, I'll get you that $100 later today. That's okay. You bet. I'll take it. <laughs> so, yeah, 30 years ago, I had my first business, and it's what my book is about, where, um, you know, a lot of these big, big box stores, uh, Macy's, uh, Bloomingdale's, they sell th these amazing, expensive shoes, and uh, they have return policies that you can return virtually for any reason. And so um, they don't, obviously, when something gets returned that's clothing, you can't just resell it because it's been used, but uh, they also don't just destroy all these items, shoes in particular, they actually sell them to people like, like myself. When I was 21, I bought $10,000 worth of shoes, used shoes, and built a bunch of shelves in a VW bus and then went door to door trying to sell them, mainly trying to convince women to come out of their house and come to my van so I could show them my shoes. And so um, I, I wasn't successful ultimately, but I actually made a lot of money 
But the, the biggest problem with, with most of us that are in business when it comes to marketing and selling our product is the consistently inconsistent sales revenue roller coaster that we ride. And I talk about that, and I talk about how that is death to almost all businesses, that you're up one month, you bring in $80,000 worth of revenue, the next month it's 5000 the next month it's 15000 the month after that you're only 3000 And that's the book is about getting beyond that and creating pipelines and creating flow of flow of revenue coming in on a consistent basis well great so you so you learned some things in this uh, when you were selling shoes out of the vw bus which is great before we get into that and some of those things you learned and how you utilize them today what do you see happening in in business uh, specifically in marketing if you can uh, in montgomery county and the houston area well, unfortunately, a lot of businesses are doing a lot of things that are not going to ultimately bring them results. You have a lot of voices out there, uh, mainly salespeople that, you know, uh, kind of profess that they're, they're marketing experts, but they, they want to sell you a, bill, a billboard or they want to sell you some radio advertising or it, it just it's all over the map. And if you're not the right industry, I mean, that's the first place to, to consider. You know, I'm not going to, as a marketing company, it would be insane for me to go out there and pay $5,000 a month for a billboard. And for most businesses, it's insane. But for an attorney, it probably makes sense who does personal injury, who can get millions of dollars for one account. So that's the first consideration is looking at the, the right type of industry for the right type of marketing effort. And so as you're seeing businesses uh, in the area at this particular time, do you see people going out of business? Do you, you see people really thriving in this environment with COVID? What do you see out there? Yeah, it's definitely dicey out there, and it depends what industry that you're in. Some industries are, are killing it. We, we do a lot of work for a lot of home services companies, and the, the guys that are directly related to where there's a potential issue with COVID-19 um, can either do really well, or do really, really bad. And, you know, we have an AC company that's killing it right now because they're, they've positioned themselves as being the company that'll go in there, do an air quality check because so many people are having to spend so much more time at home. Hey, I want to make sure my air at my house is clean. Whereas a, a company that does say flooring can really, really struggle because it's not considered essential. Hey, we can wait on our flooring until this COVID thing's behind us, then replace the floor. You know, it just depends where you're at. But um, definitely, there's going to be a lot of businesses that go out of business as a result because, you know, it's, it's being able to have staying power. And most businesses don't have that. Well, and so you're talking about staying power. My question to you, and uh, I talked about this a little bit last week, there's a lot of owners that are struggling. Uh, there's this fatigue going on. I mean, do, in the owners that you talk to, do you see or feel this fatigue, almost like giving up or uh, I can't survive, so I've got to go do something else? Um, I, I don't know if it really kind of is displayed in that manner. Um, what I see, because we're a marketing company, is we're one of the first places that people cut back on, which really kind of is a mistake. Because when you think about it, if just as an analogy, if you've got 10 pizza places, say like they're up in Conroe, but there's only enough revenue to keep eight, eight of them open, it's just a fact that two of them are going to go out of business. What the other eight, the ones that are going to survive it, what they really need to do is get into kind of almost a mode of 
being willing to cannibalize their competition. In fact, that's probably the right thing to do is to figure out, at least from the standpoint for the consumer, let's figure out how we can make sure that all these consumers out there that are going to have their favorite pizza joint go out of business. Let's figure out a way to supply them that same good quality pizza, but we'll provide it for them. So it's almost kind of a service when, when you're helping out another business going out of business. And I know that sounds kind of funny, but that's, that is the reality that there's only a certain number of people that are going to survive. And what you have to do is you have to figure out how to get to those consumers of that business and get them over to your side. So I, I think you bring up a real good point that this will kind of dovetail into what we're going to start talking about. And it really comes down to, you said, people, you know, you're one of the places that people start cutting. My revenue's down, so I'm going to start cutting, stop, you know, start spending money on marketing. It's really about how much you spend, but it's about how, where you spend it to get the most impact to get those clients or maintain or retain those clients that you have. So with that, uh, why don't you start talking, you know, since we're going to be talking about SEO, we're going to be talking about Google My Business. Uh, let's talk today a little bit about where the best place is maybe to spend that money. And uh, so why don't you talk about SEO in general? Yeah. Start there. So SEO is search engine optimization. It is the process of doing stuff organically on the internet so that you can be found. Uh, traditionally, we've viewed it as being on the first page of Google. Someone goes in and searches for a restaurant, you want to be on that first page. So um, what's happening with, with SEO, and particularly, and we, we kind of hand-in-hand hand with Google My Business. Google My Business used to be called Google Maps or Google Places, but when you type in, say, restaurant near me, that is the, the, the little blurb, the little map that comes up with two or three, maybe sometimes four businesses is Google My Business. It's where you can go and you can call the business. You can click on a, a, a direction icon and suddenly you're getting directions to it. That That is the piece that is actually replacing the traditional SEO model. In fact, what's happening now more than anything else, and, and you're, you're, you're nailing it when you're saying where do you, should you spend your dollars, is to spend them on optimizing Google My Business meaning that you've got a page that's about your business that includes your, your your information of your phone number, your address, but you can also, that's where the consumers can post reviews. You can also put content up there talking about your business. That is the piece that consumers are most likely to find you through rather than going directly to your website. So, well, but all I've heard about for a long time, and if you go back historically, is SEO, SEO. That's what's really going to drive people to your business. Right. You know, tell me a story about you know how how that worked, and 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 then maybe why things are changing. Yeah. So you know, when when the internet first came out, it, it was crazy. It was the wild wild west. You can pretty much do anything, just as the wild wild west was. You know, you show up and say, "This is my property," and and I'm going to enforce it with my gun. And if you don't get off of my property, I'm going to shoot you. Well, the Internet was kind of like that, because if you had a website and let's say you were a mortgage company, all you simply had to do was put in white text on a white background. We are the best mortgage company and do that 150 times. And it didn't matter where you were in the world. If you want, if you ended up putting the search term best mortgage company, that mortgage company would come up. So 1994, that was the strategy. Well, Google kind of caught on to that and it's kind of figured, okay, yeah, that's probably not a good idea that people can just put a bunch of white text on a white background that you can't even see. 
and they're going to get be the most optimized best company out there so to speak so they started putting together this what, what they refer to as an algorithm where they had all these different things you know that where they would score you on your your url that's your domain name they would score you on the the first initial amount of content that you would have that's your meta tags your title descriptions they would score you on how well the coding on the website was how many backlinks you had all of this stuff and that became the model and it became a very difficult convoluted model for most consumers to understand. When I say consumers, I'm talking business owners. It's that you have all of these different pieces that come in that kind of fit into a puzzle. Well, that model was good for roughly about 10, 15 years. Then in about 2010, 2012, Google My Business, which was called initially Google Places, they changed it to Google Maps, now it's Google My Business, kind of came on and that's where we started smartphones. It's, it's Apple that changed everything where you had a smartphone where you could click on it and now you could get directions. You didn't have to use the navigation in your, your, your car. So now things became dramatically different that when consumers, and especially you see this now in 2020, everything is local. You don't, when you search, say, for like a flooring company, you're not finding a flooring company out of California. You're finding one that is not only in the Texas, you know, the state of Texas. You're also finding one that's here in Montgomery or here in Conroe. If you're searching in the woodlands, you're finding one in the woodlands. And, and Google automatically puts that up, even if you're not even saying near me or putting in a zip code. They understand that you probably want to do some business with someone that's within a five to 10 mile radius. Well, if that's the case, why should we be spending all this time, effort, and money focusing almost solely on your website when the reality, it's all about Google My Business? Because they're not even going to get to you until they find you on a local search. That makes sense? Well, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, but there's a lot of people that are extremely successful. A lot of marketing companies push SEO. I think you've, you've talked about something in the past. I think Overstock was a pretty successful story. Uh, so it's been successful, I guess. Is that changing? Does that mean I don't need to focus on or do anything with SEO? No, and, 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 and you want to have the basics done. There's, there's what is called on-page SEO and off-page SEO. And once you get to a certain point with your on-page SEO on your website and it's done and it's built correctly, you need to focus on the off-page stuff. So in, in, in reference to, to overstock.com, and, and, and here's, here's how I really feel about the SEO industry, is in, in, tw in 2009, I was first introduced to SEO. I just had finished my real estate career um, and decided I needed to do something different. So I moved forward with doing a marketing company. And I watched the guys who had owned and started Overstock.com. They ended up ultimately selling it, making millions of dollars, and they became what was referred to in the industry back then, and we don't even really talk about this hardly at all, that they became super affiliates. And that's where you have a certain amount of traffic that you are able to capture, that you have driven, that you push over to a company like say like a Nordic track that sells treadmills. And that's what these guys did is they built a website, a consumer reviews type website, something that would look identical to consumer reviews, but it would rate different treadmills. Right. And, and of course, Nordic track was the one that ranked 
and, and, and looked the best. And then each time the consumer would click on that and go over and actually buy a, tr a treadmill, they would get a $200 kickback. And that's all very legitimate. And there's nothing wrong with that. Doing lead well, maybe generation. Maybe kickback isn't the right word. It's probably not the right word, but they would get a referral fee for that. There you go. And they would get um, as many as a thousand a month. So these guys were making two hundred thousand dollars a month, which is a lot of money. But remember, these guys were worth millions because they had started Overstock.com. They made and they sold it out. They built it up. They sold it out. They walked out with tens of millions of dollars. But the problem was is that every Every two to three months, they would have to scrub that website and start all over again because everything that they were doing up to that point not only wasn't working, it was working against them. So what they had is they had a boiler room full of 15 college students, and all they would do is build backlinks, get this website onto directories. They would go on social media, and they would do all of this stuff that's considered in the industry as black hat, you know, meaning that it's not the best way to do it. It's considered kind of a little too edgy. And... Google would change their algorithm. So everything that they would do, not only doesn't work, they would start getting penalized and they would scrub the website and they'd start have to start over, over again. again. For most of us, that would make sense because, hey, if we could do that for three or four months and get to a month where we make 200000 and be worth it. For these guys, they weren't interested because it wasn't about the money. It was about having success. And so my impression back then, and it's over 10 years ago, is that SEO is a scam. And it, 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 at least the way they were doing it, it was a scam. It was all contrived. It was all for the purpose of trying to get this website to pop up. So if I typed in, you know, treadmill reviews, that I would see that website, I would click on it, and I'd read all these great reviews, and then I would go and, of course, click on the NordaTrack. And, of course, they would set up their website to make it look like NordaTrack was the best. So what's wrong with trying to get to the top of the list? There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. The problem is, is that people aren't really directly going to websites anymore. If I'm a consumer, I'm more interested on how well that business does in terms of the perspective of the consumer. That's where we have the online reviews. So the first place to really look is on the Google My Business page because once that uh, map comes up and we refer to it as the three pack, meaning that there's three businesses usually listed in that, I'm, I'm looking at who has the most reviews and who has the best star rating. Then from there, I click on that page, and of course, there's a link to the website. And if I'm interested enough in that business and saying, hey, the reviews look good, I've read a couple of reviews, these guys seem like they know what they're doing, now I'm clicking and going to their website. That's when I get to the website. So the whole model of trying to get you on the first page of Google is, is antiquated. It really is about with Google SEO. My Business with SEO. And, and so even, even if these people, even if these SEO marketers actually do what they say they're going to do, and a lot of them won't, but even if they're going to put you on so many directories, even if they're going to get you so many in the way of backlinks, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant because it's not going to really help, especially if you're ignoring your Google My Business page in almost all businesses. In fact, the businesses that we run into and they say we spend so much time on Google My Business are not even doing half of what they should be doing because they're just not even aware of everything that they can do. So are you saying, okay, so the, the algorithm changes on a regular basis. Are you saying it's difficult for a lot of these companies to, to really change the SEO 
things that they're doing in the website to to take advantage of the changes and what about backlinks and those those types of things which used to be really drive people to the top of the list right so what happened is in about somewhere between 2012 and 2015 there was this seismic shift of doing what is referred to as technical uh, backlink type seo where you go and you do all this technical stuff on on your website shifting to where google wants and they're going to get it because Google wants it and Google gets just about everything that they want right. is they want a purely organic internet. So what that means is that content is king and content being words on website, words on your Google My Business page, words on social media, images. The more that you are actively participating and putting up content, the more Google rewards you. It is content driven. It's not the technical backlink directories and all of this other stuff out there. At one point that was hugely successful, but now it's not. And especially with the advent of Google My Business, and especially if you have a local presence and most your business is gonna be through people that are local, now the focus needs to be on Google My Business. So you mentioned a couple, you know, a lot of things there, but you said content is king. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, if you can, his, history, but if not, just there's words as content, there's pictures as content, and there's videos as content. There's a lot of things that have changed over the years. What's the benefit of doing or of how you do each of those? Well, when we get into and we talk about the, the wow factor, words on website, the more content that you have on your website, the better off you are. Um, a lot of web designers want you to give you a really slick, clean-looking website, and that's good. You want it to look good. You want it to be slick-looking and very professional and almost like you're a franchise. But you have to have the actual words on the website to support what Google's going to look at. So even though you can have this, this website that looks absolutely wonderful, you have to have a place on there where you actually go into a lot of depth about what it is that you do and how you do it. So you can easily do that with being able to allow the consumer to click to other pages, to open up pop-ups um, where they can have more content. But content has to be there. Specifically, words need to be there. Images need to be there so, on the website. So then I'll ask you the question. So does that mean that automatically 30,000 words on a, on a website is better than 10,000? <laughs> Or does it have to be quality? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it has to be content that that you've actually written or you've had somebody write. You, you do not want to grab it from other websites and copy and paste because you will get penalized by Google for plagiarizing. Right. Even on the internet, plagiarizing is not a good thing, but it has to be actually organic in the standpoint that it's actually been written and it's unique. So. To answer your question, though, yeah, 30,000 words is better than 10,000 words, especially when you are in an industry where you can do that. Not all industries can do that and have 30,000 words, but we work, once again, with a lot of home services. We also work with a lot of business-to-business -business companies right. that are selling their products. I'm a business, and I'm selling to another another business. It's very easy for them to, to get and create 30,000 words of content because you're just talking about your products and services. Well, but then if, if you're talking about just words, and I'm not sure this is the right language, but word stuffing, uh, is that 
a terminology? With, well, keyword stuffing. Keyword stuffing. Okay. Yeah, and that's a problem. It, it, companies that get in and say, well, we're going we're gonna to get in so many keywords and all that other stuff, all of that, once again, that's all a part of that 2012-2015 SEO model. In fact, you'll get penalized for that. Uh, a lot of times what happens is, you know, guys will go in there and say, you know, we're X, we're ABC flooring company uh, and we're the best in Conroe, the Woodlands and Spring, Texas. And what you have to understand is that the, the leader in Spring, Woodlands and Conroe, ABC roofing company, I mean, they almost make those 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 cities part of the name of their business and and google can see that and it's it's just a regurgitation of of those of those municipalities and towns that they keep on saying and that's not going to help you at all because they can see that you you know i mean you only can say uh hardwood flooring so many times in in a paragraph and then it's going to start looking unnatural well google has algorithms for that and they can see that you're doing that so write it as if you were writing a marketing piece for a brochure write it as if you were writing you know an email that you were going to send to a client talking about the pros and the cons of certain kinds of flooring if we you know want to use that same example right right, right. so it needs to look like it's it's organic because certainly if, if Google's got the ability, which they do, to basically go in there and look at the structuring of sentences and see that so much of what you're writing is grammatically incorrect, they certainly got the ability to count how many times you're saying the wood hardwood flooring or the word Conroe, Texas. And they can see that you're, you're trying to stuff. Okay, great. So you didn't mention video yet. What yeah. the, why should go huge. into video the importance? Video, video is huge, and the reason video is huge is because it is the most widely used media now on the Internet than anything else. You know, if, if, if there's a way that I can go in there and I can look at something and it's in video format and I don't have to read it, that's what most consumers are thinking that they want to do. The upside with video, when you go in and you do a, a video and you, you want to host on YouTube, because YouTube allows you to put up 5,000 characters in the description. As of today, YouTube and Google does not have the ability to interpret what your video is about. But what they can do is they can look at the description. And when we're talking 5,000 characters, we're talking about 700 to 800 words in the description that you are allowed to do about that particular video. And that makes it very easy for Google to index you. That's the term used to be able to say, this is what you're all about. And, and be able to put that into search terms. And you were, you're gonna, if, if you do enough videos and you spend enough time and you take those videos, you, uh, you put all the description in there and then you put that link onto your website. So now you get some cross fertilization, so right. to speak. Google's going to reward you for that, for sure. So, you know, you can spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on, on professional video. And, you know, a lot of small business owners who really can't afford that. What, yeah. what, what's, what's the perspective on, on that? Yeah, no, another really good question. Um, video right now, the more compelling video is the video that isn't highly produced. When I started my company, we were doing highly produced video. It was commercial quality. You could throw it on a TV commercial, and, and it, it, it was, we put the time. But it was very expensive. Right now, just about anybody can do video. 
anybody can you know, smartphones right now or have such good video quality that you don't even need to go out and buy an expensive camera. The one thing we do tell people though is invest in the audio. Audio is important. So you can put together a one or two minute video explaining about a little bit about what you do. You put it on YouTube. Uh, you fill out the description, put it out on your website. You can send it out in the form of an email, but it's very productive. It's very worthwhile. And once those pieces are built, you can keep using them over and over and over again. So once you build a certain depth in your video catalog, you can continue to use it in many, many different scenarios. It, you know, I think you can repost things. So my question is, you know, if you, if you do a video, you know, is it, obviously it's not something you should post on a weekly basis. Uh, how often does it make sense to post something? Is it once every three months? I mean, so you develop a, uh, uh, a video library that you can do that. Is there any time? Yeah, well, you? no, I mean, there's, and it depends what it is. And it depends also with current events. I did a video back in April talking about when all of this kind of came out about COVID-19, about eventually at one point or another. And I made the analogy that, you know, we have 30,000 people a year that die from car accidents. And we don't just shut down the fact that our, all of our cars only do 20 miles an hour and put governors on them, which would solve that. You know, that eventually one point or another, we're going to wake up and say, you know, we've had enough. We're going to mitigate the risk and we're going to get back to our lives. And you can see that's actually happening. That particular video I should have been posting every single week. I kind of held off on that because I didn't want, you know, people to get over it inundated because it, there's there's some political aspects to that. But that's a video with current times that should be posted every single week, whether it be on LinkedIn, whether it be on Facebook. But most of the video that we're going to produce as a marketing company or as a business, you're, you're probably going to want to, you know, put out there at least once a month and just remind people there's video that just an introductory video, basically of what it is that you do and why you do it. That should probably be a piece that's in your email that you send out every single time, because most of the time people are going to open up your email. They may, they're not even going to look at the video, but maybe after the fifth or 10th time you, they might, they, they might. Yeah, absolutely. So it just depends what the purpose of it is. But the, the one thing I, I tell people, and we get into this when we do a lot of email for a lot of clients, that the industry standard is if you can get 17% open rate, you're doing fantastic. Most of the emails that you send out, people aren't going to open. Not at that moment. But over time, they're going to open some of your emails. If you email the same group of people over the course of three years and they like you and you haven't spammed them, 90% of all the people that are in that list of people that you're emailing are going to open up at least one email. And that's the thing that you need to look at. When people are ready to buy your product, they're going to open up your emails and they're going to start reading. And they're going to try to get a, as much information, especially if it's a high dollar value item. They're ready to buy, and now they're ready to do the research. So sending somebody an email once, once, once a week or even a couple times a week is not too much, depending on the product. Using the same videos and sending them over and over again is not too much. Keeping those videos up on your video, uh, keeping those videos up on your website is not going to be too much. People will get to it when they're ready to buy. Okay. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about avoiding some SEO hacks. What are SEO hacks? Well, I, I say hacks, and I'm actually 
being kind of mean here, but I'm talking about <laughs> the people that are out there that are constantly trying to sell you something in the terms of SEO that supposedly is going to help you. And I kind of equate them to like going into uh, auto repair shop where you bring in your car in and the first thing that they tell you is that they need to change out the blinker fluid. And then after they need, after they do that, then they need to switch out the flux capacitor. And those of us, first of all, we all know that blinker fluid isn't a real thing, of course. But there is a video out there showing you how to change your blinker fluid. That's right. And exactly. it looks very legitimate. And it's funny. And at the very end, he says, hey, guys, it's an April Fool's joke. <laughs> but if you didn't know the difference and you didn't know that much about cars, you might buy into that. Flux capacitor, that's what makes time travel possible in Back to the Future. Most of us know that. I've seen that, especially if you're 40 years plus of age. You've seen that movie. Right. And there may even be a few millennials that have seen that movie. But the idea is that that there's so much complexity uh, complexity, and there's there's a sense of SEO being very convoluted that, hey, I'll do this work for you, but the first thing I got to tell you is I can't really tell you what I'm doing because it's kind of our secret in our marketing company that we're not going to tell you, which that's a first warning sign. The next warning sign is that I know a lot about Google's algorithm or I can get you up to number one on Google. These are people that are out there, even if they do what they say they can do, meaning that they can put up so many backlinks and they can do so many directories and we're going to do so much with the coding. It's probably not going to help you anyway. Because once again, and this is what you need to tell them, say, hey, Mr. SEO marketing dude, 2008's calling and they want their SEO strategy back because that's truly what's happening. That's where they're, they're doing this. But stuff. you still need to do some kind of SEO optimization well, when you set up your, website. your uh, website. Once it's done, it's done. You can go in and you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars doing all this other stuff, but it's going to have very minimal impact that's where we get into the law of dim diminishing returns without a doubt once your title tags your meta descriptions your your headlines once those pieces are coded there's very little that you should do the seo guys that get it right are the ones that are talking about content they're talking about cross fertilization they're talking about hey we need to get stuff on your your social media we need to do stuff on your google my business page we need to get more pictures up. We need to do this. Those are the ones that get it and get it right. Okay. So we'll, so when it comes down to it, I mean, the website's still important. Yes. Uh, optimizing the website content is still important. You still need to do those things for your business. But let's get a little bit now into Google My Business and what we really need to do to drive our business with Google My Business in concert with the website and your optimization content, et cetera. Yeah. So it, it's real simple. What's happened with Google, my business, and you need consumers need to start to understand this or business owners need to understand this, that it, it's like having a secondary website. You can put as much content up on Google, my business as you can literally as your own website, you can put up posts just like you do blog posts on a website. You can do a post, on Google My Business. You can get online reviews up on your Google My Business. You can put up reviews up on a website. But what's different is the consumer is going to trust a review on Google My Business a whole lot more than any review that you put on your website. And that's an important factor. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge because there's a third party, which is Google, verifying the fact that that is a legitimate review. You can also go on there and you can put a list of all your products up up there as well. You can do a brief description 
on your Google My Business page about what it is that you do. And you can put up to 25 photos up there, which we recommend that not only you put up 25 photos, you need to switch those photos out every so often and keep changing the content. Because once again, Google rewards you. The ultimate goal is that you want to be that company that has the most number of reviews with the highest star rating and has the most amount of content in the product section and in the post sections and also in your description that all of those, if there's a place to put content, put it, put up, put content up. So what drives, when you look at that three pack, when you're doing a search, what drives those three largely? What what are the three, two or three different factors that really drive that? I think you mentioned them all. Yeah, yeah, and those those were it. And I wish I knew what it took to really be up in the three pack. Though the companies that we've worked with over the last couple of years, we've gotten them them up there. We just don't know exactly all the reasons why, other than the fact that they continually get online reviews. They keep putting up content on their product section of Google My Business, and we keep posting for them. That's it. If you just, and they keep putting photos up, and they keep switching it, the more that you are actively engaged in doing those things, the more Google rewards you. And that they also have good websites that have been well-optimized as far as the on-page optimization. Right. And that's, that's kind of the formula. I can't tell you which part of it is more important than the other, but you'll go in there and when you start doing searches, you'll see some companies are up there that have not very few, that have very few reviews. Some that have a ton, but they're not showing up in the three pack or the four pack. So it's It's not just reviews. It's not just reviews. Yeah. But, but if it's a serious purchase, meaning that it's a high dollar purchase, consumers are not going to just look at the, 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 the three pack, they're going to click through where it says more places in blue, there's a link. And then they actually open up the actual physical map and you can see all the different businesses that are on the left-hand side. And then you can see all the pinpoints on the right-hand side. They consumers will go and they'll start looking and they are looking for, once again, the company that has the most number of reviews with the highest star rating. Okay. So uh, do you have a case study of anybody that you, you've kind of worked with that, that kind of proves, yeah. proves this out? Yeah, a company that's just out of the woodlands called Flooring Nerd. Um, that they've uh, We've been working with them for about two years now, and it's just been within the last six months to last year where they are consistently, if you Google uh, wood flooring in the woodlands, they are almost always showing up in the three-pack. And... and um, when we first started working with them, they were paying three to five thousand dollars a month for leads through Home Advisor, which are very, very difficult leads because they're not just selling them to one flooring company; they're selling them to dozens of floor companies, and the competition's tough, and you're competing on price. Well, with them, we had been working with them for the last couple of years, of getting online reviews, and they've got fifty plus reviews with a five point zero star rating. So. Um, that was the first piece. Then we went in and helped them with all their products listings. And they've got, I believe it's well over 40 or 50 different products that have an image and a little blurb about each product. Then we've been posting daily in their posting section, a little blurb about a particular product or about a particular service or about a past client. And so they, they, they've gone from paying three to $5,000 a month for HomeAdvisor to now to the point where they don't pay anything. And even during COVID, 
where it's, they're considered non-essential and they're having to go into people's homes, they've averaged four to six appointments a week. And I've talked with other flooring companies and they're struggling, but with Flooring Nerd, they're not. And it's because they have all these things that are going on with Google My Business. All right. Well, how can people get in contact with you? And do you have any closing thoughts on what what you can recommend after this conversation? Yeah, you bet. So you can reach us at uh, pinpointmarketingsolutions.com. That's pinpointmarketingsolutions.com. You can Google us, just Pinpoint Marketing, and, and we're the one that comes up. There's another Pinpoint Marketing company, but we're the ones that have the actual Google My Business page come up with actually online reviews and actual postings and, and, and have our Google My Business page mostly populated Try to walk the walk. Um, that's the first thing. Closing remarks in, in regards to is to, to understand that the seismic shift on the Internet, if you want to get business on the Internet right now, is your Google My Business page is almost as, as important, if not more important, than your actual website. More consumers are going to find you initially through the Google My Business page than they are going directly to your website. And the data backs it up. On our clients that we manage, almost 80% of the clicks that are happening on the website are coming directly through Google My Business. All right. And how do we get in touch with you again? Uh, through pinpointmarketingsolutions.com, or you can reach out directly to me at 832-819-3990. That's 832-819-3990. Well, I really appreciate you coming in and talking today. I hope this was helpful to a lot of people out there. We are going to take a short break here for a minute, and uh, we'll be right back. Thank you so much. For business ideas and news you can use, join us on the weekly business hour every Monday at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Want to check out the fastest growing sport in the world? It's right here in Conroe, Texas, and it's Roller Derby. Conroe Roller Derby is a nonprofit recreational league of women and men who want you to come and check out the fast paced, hard hitting game of roller derby. The Conroe Cutthroats practice at Rainbow Roller Rink on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. You can find our game schedule and more information on our website, www.conroerollerderby.com. Hi, I'm Keith O'Connor, CEO coach and business mentor. I've spent four decades helping multiple entrepreneurs use my principles to take their businesses to the next level. My methods do not fix your problems. They help you fix them for yourself. I call this process Closing Strong. Contact me at 713-557-1639 or visit my website at ClosingStrong.com for a risk-free 30-minute meeting to see how I can help you. Because a business can only go as far as its leader can take it. 
Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. Have a legal question? Are you a resident of Montgomery County? Call 281-645-6344 to talk to a volunteer attorney from the Woodlands Bar Association. We answer the phones on the first Monday of every month at 281-645-6344 from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. to provide general legal information and information about legal resources to Montgomery County residents. Welcome back to the Weekly Business Hour. Remember, you and your company can be a sponsor of the Weekly Business Hour. Email one, that's the number one, bestconsult at gmail.com. Today, I wanna give you the one best consult tip of the week, and it's about daily, excuse me, daily routines you can develop to become a great leader. When you think about the accomplishments of great business owners, the scope of their achievements may seem intimidating. After all, they've made huge waves in the world of business, whereas you may feel like you've barely made a splash. But that doesn't mean that you can't learn from them in order to become a much better leader yourself. So we're gonna examine six habits of great business leaders that you can adopt to strengthen your leadership skills. And when you practice these consistently, these great habits can set you apart and help your business grow. So we'll start out at number six. Create routines. Great leaders know that routines help eliminate unnecessary distractions and decisions. Your workday should save time and money by managing the right way. Have routines that increase efficiency and cut out trivial decisions. Make it a habit. For example, check your email only three times a day, in the morning, lunch, and an hour before leaving. Other than that, leave your inbox closed. There's no need to look at it you'll be surprised at how much time you save. Number five, plan. Great leaders don't just have big ideas. They make big ideas a reality with careful planning and execution. Make it a habit. Clearly define your goal and make it measurable. Don't just plan for a successful business. Be specific. Define what success looks like, then ask yourself every night before bed, if I spend every day like this, will I reach my goal? If the answer is no, make the necessary adjustments. Number four, take decisive actions timely. Great leaders know that a decent plan executed today is better than an awesome plan executed after it's way too late. So let's make it a habit. Being decisive doesn't mean being reckless. Get as much information as possible and then make a pros and cons list for each option and then act decisively. Take action. Be vulnerable, number three. Own your mistakes. Great leaders know that sometimes plans don't work out. When you encounter setbacks, you have to own them. Make it a habit. Everything is on you when you run a business. When something goes wrong, ask yourself, how is this tied to my decision making? 
When you own this level of responsibility, admitting that you made a mistake isn't a big deal because you've accepted that everything is your decision. Number two, make others feel heard. Great leaders know that their employees help provide the creativity and energy needed to grow a business. That's why it's important to listen to their ideas and concerns. Make it a habit. Pay attention to what you say when chatting with employees. Do, do you follow up on their statements or questions? This subtle bit of selfless conversation shows your employees that you are genuinely interested and value their input. That is critical to your success. Great leaders make it their mission to help employees reach their potential, number one, which means investing time, investing energy, and investing resources to help them grow. Make it a habit. No matter your business or business size, you should always, always, always be educating your employees. Don't feel overwhelmed by all these steps. Remember, they're just that, steps. Try adding a new one to your life every two weeks. Keep at it until that next step becomes a habit, then move on to the next one on your list. As best-selling author Sean Covey says, we become what we repeatedly do. Those are five steps or six steps that you can do to become a great leader. So I've been sitting in with Rick uh, today as his host, second week in a row. His email is one, the number one, bestconsult at gmail.com, or you can call him at 832-699-2132. My name is John Stacy, and I'm really glad you've had the opportunity. I hope you've had some fun. I hope you've learned some things, and I hope to see you in the future. I can be reached at jstacy at advocoach.com or 936-203-5426. Also, if you're looking for business videos on a personal development, strategic planning, increasing the value of your business, leadership, go to Catalyst Strategy Consulting on YouTube. Our podcast today's show uh, will be posted on Rick's website on Wednesday. Again, one, the number one, bestconsult.com. Please note on your, or put a note on your calendar to join again next Monday right here on IRLoneStar.com at 11. We will be spending some time learning what we can do to really grow our business. Look for the podcast of today's show on the Weekly Business Hour of IRLoneStar.com. Our Facebook page at the Weekly Business Hour is going to be there later this week. Thank you for joining us. Remember to stay in touch with what is happening in Montgomery County right here on Lone Star Community Radio. Until next week, stay engaged this week. Keep your focus on what counts in your business and always, always make tomorrow better than today. Thank you, and this is John Stacy. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.